Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to our guest for this half hour, Mark Franklin. He's Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Manulife. And uh, Mark, we're seeing a little bit of modest weakness on uh, some markets today. We've got the Nikkei in positive territory. You had a very whipsawy kind of day for the US. Is, is that risk rally that we saw in the past couple of days done? Uh, can you see markets holding on to those gains that we saw? Morning, Paul. I think that uh, we have to look at what's happened just before. We've had a, a material correction in financial markets across most asset classes. We got to a point at the start of this week where markets were oversold, technically in position for some kind of bounce. And over the last few days, we've seen two or three central banks take measures which has got the market somewhat excited. So if you take the Reserve Bank of Australia, they only raised interest rates by 25 basis points versus expectations of 50. The Bank of Japan has started to intervene in the FX market. The Bank of England intervened in the long end of the gilts curve. So market participants, some of them are saying, is the Fed next? And if the Fed is next, does that constitute a pivot? And if we see a pivot, that would be quite constructive for risk appetite. Premature to conclude that. The US data is not giving them sufficient room to do that. But coming from over conditions, it's understandable that there are some market participants that are looking to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, yeah, the key question, though, is the Fed next? Uh, we've heard some pretty hawkish remarks uh, from Mary Daly and Raphael Bostic in the past uh, few hours, uh, and uh, Mary Daly also calling inflation corrosive. Uh, they're giving no signs of a pivot at the moment, are they? We would look at the data on the inflation side, on the jobs market side, and conclude that there is insufficient evidence for the Fed to start to talk a more softer tone. Uh, so some market participants may be disappointed if they don't see a slowing down of rate hikes before the end of this year. And indeed, if you look at market pricing, uh, it's still the expectation that the Fed will move 75 basis points again at the next meeting. So the conclusion that we would have at Manulife is that it's still too early to expect a pivot. Yeah, that uh, 75 basis point cut in November does seem to be pretty much baked in. But what about after that? We've got Raphael Bostic saying, well, we're going to get to 4.5% and then take a little breather. What happens next year, though? It all comes down to what happens to inflation. And there, the picture becomes a little bit unclear. There are certain categories within the inflation uh, complex, such as energy, which will show via base effects a slowing down of momentum. But on the flip side, there are more persistent or stickier categories, such as shelter or owner's equivalent rent, which are showing uh, material upside movement, as well as other categories, such as medical uh, equipment and medical care. So if you fast forward a few months, it's likely that core inflation will may have peaked, but it's not going to come down at the kind of pace that some market participants are hoping for. Um, I want to start peeling that energy onion in a moment, but just before we get to that, very quickly, do you think we've seen peak dollar yet? 
Very good question. I mean, ultimately, the dollar is a reflection of interest rate differentials and, by extension, inflation and growth differentials. So for the time being, the U.S. economy is holding up reasonably well. The consumer is still optimistic and therefore U.S. consumer spending growth is still positive. As long as the U.S. economy looks relatively robust against other Mm -hmm. regions, it's hard to call a complete top in the dollar. And uh, Mark, I said I wanted to talk about energy prices. We did, of course, get the news. As expected, OPEC plus cutting supply by 2 million barrels per day. But coupled with that, we do have the strong dollar that we mentioned where we left off. So what are the implications here for emerging market economies? You have to split the emerging market economies into those that are net producers and exporters of energy and those that are net importers of energy. Those that are net exporters will actually be quite comforted by the decision that OPEC Plus took yesterday and an increasingly tight physical market, whereas those emerging markets that are net energy importers will concern themselves with what this means for a next round of inflation pressures should oil prices continue to rise in the near term. Does it put more pressure on countries like Japan as well? I mean, ultimately, they have a release valve for that pressure via the currency, uh, and they continue to adopt what appears to be a very, very loose monetary policy with their yield curve control. So uh, the extent to which this drives further weakening of the yen against other cross-currencies at a pace that they're uncomfortable with, it may force them to intervene more aggressively. Yeah, of course, uh, this supply cut uh, just going to stoke energy price inflation as well. We do have inflation all over the place right now. What is going to happen first? Do we get inflation under control or is there going to be a global recession? I think we have to define what under control means. I mean, ultimately, Mm -hmm. central bank inflation targets, if you take the US, is a reversion towards a 2% inflation rate on the core PCE measure. It's going to take some time to get there. If you look at previous inflationary cycles, it takes several quarters rather than several months to get there. Uh, And that perhaps creates a sufficiently wide window for growth dynamics to come under increasing pressure. Now, you've been playing defence in your portfolio. What does that mean exactly? Do you look at havens? Do you look at bonds? How's your cash allocation right now? Yeah, cash allocations are relatively high. We've had to accept that when you see central banks so aggressively withdraw liquidity from financial markets, it affects all asset classes, not just those risk assets, but also those more defensive assets traditionally. And we've seen this year traditionally defensive assets such as fixed income have not proven defensive. So we've had to appraise the macro environment. And we've talked about an environment which is increasingly stagflationary. Uh, So which types of asset classes perform resiliently in an inflationary environment? And energy is one example there. Um, not all commodities necessarily, because as you mentioned earlier, the US dollar can pose somewhat of a headwind to, to other commodity asset classes. Yeah, it's been a while since we've heard somebody use the term stagflation here. Do you have serious concerns about global growth at the moment? The extent to which central banks are in a very invidious position makes us concerned about the ability with which they can re-stimulate growth anytime soon. So we are facing inflationary pressures, not just at the reported level, but also at the core level. So inflation dynamics broadening out. Uh, They're also under significant pressure to effectively cool off demand because they're unable to control supply. Um, And until those supply situations ease, particularly around physical commodities, which they don't look like they're easing anytime soon, then it creates a, a difficult environment for policy makers to try to strike a balance between inflation control and supporting growth. We were talking with one of our guests last hour as well about the risk of earnings recessions. When you cast your eye uh, across uh, the S&P and the DAR as well, uh, which companies are looking vulnerable to you at the moment? Well, I think we take a more sectoral approach and and try to identify those sectors that are, generally speaking, quite uh, supported in terms of their earnings dynamics 
in an inflationary dynamic. So if you take the utility sector as an example, it tends to get cost passed through with its regulated uh, price level. So there is a certain degree of defensiveness in their earnings trajectory, even when there are cost pressures coming from the energy side. Uh, and some, some companies within the consumer staples sector have such strong market positions, which enables them to have pricing power and pass on those cost increases to consumers. On the flip side, we want to be avoiding those sectors where they're highly fragmented from a competition point of view, and generally speaking, they default to competing on price. Those are the types of the earnings complex which are vulnerable in this situation. All right, uh, Mark Franklin, we are out of time, but thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia today. Uh, Mark Franklin is Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Manulife Investment Management. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.